0: Hello everybody. This is number 71, the Auto Week Podcast. We're in the studio in Detroit, uh, Michigan. And we got Wesley Wren. That's me. We've got uh, Wes Raynal. Hello. And we have Graham Kozak and I'm Rory. And we're going to talk about uh, the big car show that Three of us went to, and the other big car show that Graham went to, uh, which is the Woodward Dream Cruise, and uh, the other guys all went to Pebble Beach, right?
1: That'd be us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were the other guys.
0: And it was uh, Wes's tenth time there. Oh my gosh! At least. Yeah, I think uh, this is like.
1: You've got a house over there, don't you, Mister Randall? Yes, on times. on
2: Seventeen Mile Drive. Nice. I. Uh, it was at least my tenth. I don't know. I don't want to
1: know how many I've done.
0: It's yeah many times uh wesley this is your first time going there
1: uh yeah it was the first time my and my first dawn patrol oh which we can go into uh how many times have you been there boss
0: uh many times between like 10 and 15 i would say too many times
3: wow uh, yeah
0: wow because i went all the time when i was with all oh, right i took a couple of years off and then i started going again so
1: i will say the Haggerty people during dawn patrol are lifesavers with the uh, coffee which is better, su- like better suited as like a hand warmer, because it is very chilly. No one told me how cold it'd be in Monterey. Yeah, it's cold at five o'clock in the morning, it's right like on the water. It's fifty ins- degrees. Yeah, it's insane. <clears throat> uh, uh, I did not like that. My hands. Actually, I was filming all the cars for our stream or uh, Instagram story. I think you they should call have it. Brought your little mittens. I should have brought mittens. Yeah. Should have brought some gloves.
0: Yeah. Uh. Graham, you stayed behind at Woodward. You're usually a Concorde boy, I think. Uh, no,
3: actually, this is this was the 25th Woodward Dream Cruise. Yeah, and I've been to 24 of them. Really? I only missed it for Pebble once. Once he's
0: only 26. Oh, I always yeah. think of you as a Concorde boy.
3: At heart, I am, I guess. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I don't know if we're getting into it now. If we're gonna,
0: that's very interesting, Graham. Yeah, tell us tell us how how that was because we didn't we didn't see it. Um, I tend to think that. Woodward is a l- more fun than Pebble Beach, but um, what was your experience?
3: You know, it's less, even though it's it's bigger by volume, it's probably less over, it's a lot less overwhelming than Monterey Car Week, uh, just because there's one thing to do, you don't feel like you're always missing out on something, mm-hmm. um, but I think as we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the, on the podcast, we did a, a cruise up from downtown Detroit with uh, America's Automotive Trust, we put that together. We had a really, you know, a good turnout. It was a great variety of cars. It was a beautiful day. There were two TVRs, uh, two running TVRs, two running yeah. TVRs, which was probably the highest uh, like number of. I think that was the the best mark representation of any vehicle. <laughs> we had there so that was pretty weird but then we also had like a gmc cyclone the guy drove 500 miles from indiana to come to the cruise Sweet. in this thing good for him yeah no it was a really good mix and um yeah we we cruised through downtown detroit past the spirit of detroit uh statue which you can't do anymore yeah i mean this was pretty much that was a one that was a one-off right yeah, yeah this is pretty much it because it's, it's, be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a pedestrian plaza now so we uh i think everybody who came kind of appreciated that whether they realized that's why they were doing it or not um everybody's like oh this is cool and um, we're got never, some gonna, good picks. never gonna be able to do this
0: yeah some one of which is going to be on the cover of the yeah. next issue well S- hold on a second yeah what i think you got a
2: little bit more remarkable of a story to tell because it was a pedestrian mall and you guys got well, it changed it, to a street for the day yeah. well it was a now it's going back i thought it was, it was, was a, a high, high, it was
3: a highway and then after you know 80 years of being a highway it was a pedestrian mall yep. um but you got to change for the day. Yeah, we, I think that's a big deal. The, uh, Did the you operate Diane, the
0: bulldozer? Yeah. And just clear all that shit yep, out of there? Yep. Uh, I had of one ones. of the
3: big boxes to, to ignite the, the demolitions yeah. that uh, that uh, took down the pedestrian.
2: Yeah. Like, the, Buller, like on Buller the old things. Hannah barbera yeah. cartoons. A, that yeah.
3: was actually, that was Diane uh, Fliss Schneider from America's Automotive Trust. That was her doing. Um, mm-hmm. She was able to make that happen. And uh, we, we got there. We woke up this morning, uh, or that morning, like i don't know four thirty or something and i think one of the photographers went by the the statue and there was still 12 foot tall green construction fencing up in front of it so we thought uh somehow they got that moved out of the way in time for uh uh the 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 parade or whatever you want to call it the cruise so uh yeah we made it happen it was really cool i think it, it was it was kind of our way of bringing it um, back to the heart of woodward um, and hopefully we'll see a little bit more action. In the city, um, in the coming years, with the cruise, I think everybody who did it had a great time. Um, no one's fears of carjacking or whatever they were worried about came to pass. Cause uh-huh. it's stupid um, to worry about uh, at eight o'clock in the morning. Nobody
2: wants TVRs. Yeah. yeah, no way. If you get jacked near TVR, that's <laughs> that's impressive.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's some like it's swordfish like one, stuff. You uh, got a, a number one suspect, rob sass yeah. <laughs> immediately.
3: So no, it was it was it was really cool. And then we uh, we kind of blended in with the rest of the crews, and uh, I spent the rest of the day camping out at our Airstream in front of Vincetta Garage um, right on Woodward. How and was that Airstream? It looked nice. It was really nice. Uh, I took a nap in it. I think a bunch of us took naps in it at various points. Um, it was awesome to have a little base of operations to get get uh, get away from things for a few minutes, and uh, got a ton of compliments on it. Everybody loves it. They're like the most lovable... <sighs> Air, like it's like the a lovable, one, 16 foot. Yeah, it was the smallest one they have in that conventional, grounded um, like style. They do have a couple smaller, like teardrops. Yeah, they, they've got the Nest, and then they have another one that I think might be composite, that's even smaller. But this is the smallest traditional
2: Caravel. Is that what it was? What so was it it's called? the
3: 16 foot Caravel. So Caravelle. it's kind of like their entry level line. Uh huh. Still like 66 grand. Whoa. Yeah, it's a, their it's a stuff's bargain. not cheap. Their stuff's yeah. not cheap. But the thing is, it it does seem to last. Forever. forever like yeah. there's reason there's a ton of old ones out there is because they're aluminum they don't rust they build them they build them right um yeah it was it was awesome i had my packard park right next to it so it kind of mm. looked like it had towed it um and yeah it was really fun we had a lot of people stop by and chat um, a lot of subscribers um hopefully some new subscribers hopefully some people listening to this right now um yeah it was a lot of fun and it seemed like there was a really good mix of cars on woodward like there's a lot of newer cars but i think because the weather was nice some of the people with older stuff were like yeah sure we'll get it out and
0: was it pretty backed up or
3: yeah oh yeah it always yeah. it always yeah. is but um yeah some really really good stuff um i'm trying to think of, like the coolest thing i saw on social saw. media
1: that uh in front of inside on uh, your auto week little station. oh yeah
3: yeah they fired up a dragster on alcohol um twice which was awesome yeah, that's pretty good. it's like the bob's drag shoots um i can't remember which which car it is but it's like a vintage car uh that had, has been restored obviously and they uh they set it off and let it run twice and those yeah, are good sweet. drag
0: shoots bob's
3: oh I, bob's a I premier wouldn't trust any drag, other drag, drag shoot, shoot, yeah.
0: yeah yeah the official sponsor of the uh front of the podcast oh yeah um,
1: uh their shoots will be on our Auto week podcast slingshot yep which is uh aiming for <laughs> the 2020 ham drags
3: yeah. yeah yeah that'll be cool but again beautiful day um you know people have said it was a little bit lighter I can't tell like maybe it was lighter but it wasn't lighter on interesting cars yeah I'll say that so
0: Pebble Beach was light I gotta tell you like everywhere we went um the actual Concorde was pretty full like you couldn't tell I think they doubled the tickets were now like 450. Ooh. They were like two hundred bucks. Yeah, that, that
3: obviously kept a lot of people. That was the deciding. Uh, yeah.
0: No, I think that I was surprised that the Concor like Concor was as packed as it was. But like even even people of of uh, means, you know, you're going to buy some tickets for you and your family. There's like you know even if it's you're buying two nine hundred bucks, yeah, yeah, like four is I or would two grand. Yeah. I Think most people, even wealthy people, uh, would think twice about. Maybe not. But um that was less packed than it had been. And then just driving around i was noticing like there's way less traffic than there typically is um less people on the on the street in downtown uh, monterey and carmel uh than there had been in the past there's a lot of like uh uh chachi guys there mm, probably like I find that but i think probably a, a normal number two, two of, groups of
1: chachis uh stayed at my hotel oh yeah oh it was bad where'd you stay i stayed at the hyatt in downtown monterey uh, i'm not familiar with that one. uh you're not missing much yeah. uh it was near the mecham auction which uh-huh. is where we found out mecham selling the bullet mustang oh yeah so uh Saw that. look forward to that at yep. Kissimmee. yep but um there was like a a ventador on bags mm-hmm. with a highlighter yellow wrap uh-huh. there was a chrome blue wrapped uh r8 and
0: these are the cool guys you're talking these about.
1: are they're yeah, the chachas yeah the,
0: well you know what? uh Wesley, I, I like to always say that everybody's got a place in car culture and uh, their, their enthusiasm is just as valid as yours. Um, that's that's but true. But I guess maybe you have different opinion about it.
3: Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just sure. jealous of how
1: much money they have.
3: <laughs> it might just, have something to do with it. Be. So I, I think with both uh you know Monterey and Woodward, the events have grown beyond any like size that people can reasonably be expected to go to and there's a lot of traffic and stuff. Still really cool, but I think they've started to spin off other events, kind of how like Woodward, you know, the month before and after is pretty dense cruising, but it's, you know, moving traffic, cars don't overheat, anything like that. You still have a good time. And it's kind of because those events have been driving these other events. Um, Maybe some people feel less compelled to go to the actual uh, like Woodward Dream Cruise itself. Yeah. Or if you're going to go to Woodward, maybe you park instead of trying to cruise or, you know, maybe Monterey Car Week isn't so essential if you can do the what the Carmel Concours the week before and then just, just go to the quail and then or, yeah. or just go to your local cars and coffee uh a hundred miles away. Like maybe it's less essential because there's so much stuff happening, it's I don't know. I think it's a positive thing. Maybe that's just me trying to see the bright side in it, but if it got a Graham, little less hectic the and notorious optimists, hey, I think I, uh, if if both of those events got a little less now. hectic the day of, I don't think that'd be a problem for anybody. Honestly, like it sounds like you had a pretty laid back time. Yeah, like a little less frantic, maybe. I think
0: I just decided to do less stuff. Yeah. Um, it's another way to which they'll
1: have a huge impact on the amount of stuff you do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I did hear a lot of people say that they just went up for the car week and didn't go to the events because they were too expensive, mm, or like okay. I do
2: think there. that like going into the track Saturday morning. It was the least crowded I really? ever yeah, remember. Sure. We I drove wow. right in. We did not wait in one single yep. line. Yep. I, I don't remember that ever happening it,
0: it was like the crowd at the track uh, like during the day on Sunday or Saturday was like it usually is on Sunday, which was like pretty light, pretty light. Wow. But uh I, I went I went to the track
1: on Friday mm-hmm. uh and I discovered not to do that because the quail traffic is also right around there. So you're basically in a huge traffic jam with uh, the Legends of the Audubon and the Quail, and the people at Laguna Seca, and it is uh it was crazy. It was crazy to see all those cars. It was like a 911, was a Camry that were so prevalent, and uh, none of them were overheating. It seemed everybody seemed pretty happy and just uh, sitting in traffic.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I what I was gonna say. Oh, the uh, actually the the track with one. Cool thing I saw on Saturday was uh Randy from Bring a Trailer had a bunch of uh the alumni out. Oh cool. And I uh, had like 80 cars. He's These co- are
3: all people who have bought yeah stuff a off BAT. So all the
0: cars that were there were BAT stuff and it was like walking through and I got there right at the tail end but I was like walking through it like oh I remember like watching this or like putting a low ball bit on that or whatever. Uh but he's driving a really nice uh Chrysler 300B. I loved that car. I saw it and I I was very jealous. Yeah, it's very, very cool. But man, it's crazy to see what that company has become. You have like employees there and like a bring a trailer branded like Ford Expedition. (laughs) And uh, it was really, really cool. Um, It's like, you know, it's a full-fledged company from what started off as just like a goofy hobby kind of website.
1: And now they're facing like serious competition from Hemmings and everybody else. Hemmings, R.M. Sotheby's. Yeah, who are trying their own B.A.T. style
0: auction yeah. sites. it would be interesting to see how that goes. I think like the, you know, not to digress, but I think the big appeal of B.A.T. is like the community of people who yeah. are on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's in a way kind of insular. I mean, I, I wouldn't hesitate to buy a car online from uh from Hemmings or R.M. either uh, if they had, you know, what I was looking for at the right price. But um. The BAT thing is is sort of kind of like its own little uh little animal.
1: I would hesitate I would hesitate to buy one car from RM. Uh, the uh type seventy four. Is this a Segway? The type sixty four? Type oh type sixty four, yeah, yeah, excuse me. Well, I bet you could get a hell of a deal on it right now. Yeah, oh yeah. You know? Uh especially
0: on a type seventy four. the type seventy four. No, the uh yeah, right, they'd probably give you that. <laughs> um yeah, the the much ballyhood uh first Porsche. Uh quote unquote first Porsche kind of a a um, a car that Ferdinand Porsche built for a race that never happened uh that was supposed to cel- ce- celebrate the alliance between Germany and Italy back when they were doing that uh, I think you all probably remember those times um but uh the uh the car never raced uh but it's kind of in some circles regarded as like the first Porsche
3: and I think so, it was the first it was the first car to have the Porsche name on it right and so it, if you look at the front it's got these kind of chunky block letter Porsche which
0: were applied 10 years after right. it was built by Ferdinand Porsche so um kind of an interesting detail there but it's you know it's got Volkswagen parts it's got I think some mm-hmm. Fiat parts um, it's kind of a, a mixture of things but has like kind of this proto Snoopy uh, uh, Porsche kind of like proto Porsche uh, shape to it Um Neat car. Um, There's kind of a snafu uh, during the actual sale, um, which I was not there. I actually um, arrived just after that happened and saw a bunch of kind of glum-looking folks uh, walking around. But uh, apparently, and you can read about it everywhere, um, but apparently they had uh, the auctioneer misspoke or the, um, the person operating the big screen behind him. Misunderstood a thirteen was uh, they thought it was thirty, and uh, so on and so forth until a seventeen became a seventy. The crowd who was uh, like hooting, crowd went wild. They were hooting (laughs) like uh, they were at some kind of a political rally. Uh, just like hogs out there just hooting and hollering <laughs> with every uh increase in the bid, very unhappy uh, I mean well, no, they were
1: hooting when it was going up because it seemed like they were going up in ten million dollar increments, yeah,
0: which is insane and that would have been well, far and
3: away the the most expensive car
0: ever sold at auction yeah right? by, by like like double double almost. if it was seventy yeah uh, so, so um anyway when they found out that it was actually seventeen the uh, auctioneer corrected himself and said oh, it's actually one seven'd be fun if it was seventy or whatever. Everybody got all mad, and some people left. Um, it was weird. I've been going to auctions for a lo- very long time. I've sat through uh, dozens of auctions, and I bid on some some stuff even at one of them um, early on in my auto Week career. But I think I don't know. It was weird to me. Uh, like it, it obviously that's a pretty big screw up, and it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but I, you know, I I. Didn't know that that car was going to sell in the first place. Um, I, you know, there, there are too many kind of, there's too much discussion around it for it to be like, yeah, this is 100% going to break a record or whatever. Um, but it, uh, didn't seem like that big of a deal to me i know like there were some articles that were like oh they did it as a prank and it was trying to be funny or whatever like i, no I one don't would,
1: think rm does anything no, as a prank nobody would do that that's right. a stupid thing
0: to do but the uh i
1: mean they pushed it hard there was a there was a thing on top gear yeah uh, chris chris harris drove it
0: yeah there was a lot of marketing around it um and a lot of like pr around it um which again they would not do that as a joke no i, I mean that is just transparently a dumb thing to say yeah. but um which apologies to whoever said it. it it's not. That's not. It's not, not a mark pl- against you. That's it's not plausible to say. Uh, but the uh, the yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's one of those things that like among the like three hundred people in America or one hundred people in America who are either employed by auction companies or for some reason care a lot about that kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like a maybe a week long news story but um i don't get like the big
1: so i guess my question they there was a mistake yeah uh the car was still there uh-huh. the people that wanted to buy the car were still there why
0: why couldn't they just restart the bidding from uh, i don't know i mean they could have hit. i think it i think it stalled at 17 which was under the reserve Oh, but, i mean okay. that's that's what happened it stalled at 17 which was okay. under the reserve so which is Honestly, like more than I probably thought the car would go for to begin with. Um, Plus, I think the dirty little secret of that car is that it's been shopped prior people, to this auction. Other people have seen it. Oh, okay. People have not. It's not selling. Yeah, um, which I has think happened that's before. the undisclosed the, part of this whole. Yeah, story. I mean that that's happened before, and someone shows up and and buys it. Um, you know, after you know, the car car will not sell in the private so the guy will decide to go ahead and list right. it and it'll it'll sell um but yeah i i don't know i mean cars uh expensive cars uh very expensive cars i mean uh, potential record setters go up for sale every year every couple of years and sometimes they don't sell and this is you know i think the most embarrassing part of it is like the the snafu with the you know like misunderstanding the bid or whatever but like i mean that's that's it's not crazy that's a, yeah i mean that, is, that doesn't even really seem like a story like if if there hadn't been so much build-up for in the front end i don't think anyone would really be talking about oh like, absolutely, oh, yeah, absolutely that guy misstated the number or whatever i don't know it seems really weird and it seems Blown like a proportion. it's like uh one of those things that like a very small group of people get extremely upset about for like 20, a day 24 hours <laughs> And then, like some people who have an interest in it, try to like continue to stoke it for another week, and then it just falls apart because who, who really cares?
1: And the car will eventually sell for X amount of dollars, some, the, sometime uh, road. Yeah,
0: the market um, will will determine its price at some point, and it will change hands or it won't.
2: I was pretty excited to go see that car, and I guess I was kind of guessing that it might go for more
0: than ten but i never thought it would go for thirteen. i was most excited about seeing two other rm cars uh the w- mclaren that sold the night before for like 18.2 million f1lm yeah. yeah uh that's the only good supercar to me maybe um i don't know if i'd say the only good supercar but it's the one i think about the most
1: and that car is so far from i think it's it's peak right i mean that car's only gonna i think that car's only gonna keep, keep keep them more going expensive well, yeah. they start
0: making more of them uh, yep. just joking. I don't think they're gonna do that, but the uh, that's got the long tail. No, it's the LM, so it's the, the car um, they raced, it's the, like the one they raced, it's got the wing and stuff. Um, who was that George Harrison's car? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know he, he had one, I believe he did. Uh, I think I knew who bought it though. Did Jody Schechter buy it? No, it's somebody else you know, but uh, I, oh, not I bet say, I can guess. Yeah, I bet you can too. Uh, He's a guy who recently bought another car and a large boat. Wait, Rory, that you, you bought them McLaren down, yep. Uh yeah, and that's the uh, WRS. Yeah, he bought a boat to diversify, isn't that what he said? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh that, and what was the, what was the other RM car you wanted? Oh, uh, the Fervez Ranger. Boy, talk about beating expectations. That yeah, that's I don't know that car. If I were at RM and uh people were beating me up over this uh Porsche thing, I, my only statement to the media would be, uh, we sold a Furves Ranger for $196,000. Don't ever talk to me again. (laughs) So Uh, picture a little, uh, (laughs) colorful little adventure egg. I'll Um, only be answering questions about the Furves Ranger. (laughs) Thank you.
3: It's a little adventure mobile with, uh, it it looks like a, it looks like something from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Um. W- like what is busy it? Busy world. It's yeah, it's like, like a Richard Scary. I'll look it up. On yeah,
0: Fervez stands for like Ferrari. Something, something, something. It's like this little manufacturer in Italy, which, as far as I can tell, does not have any actual relationship to Ferrari. <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a little. That's some great a cocktail writing. It's a, uh, it's like a little, um, like a Richard Scary car, and it's like a little yellow tub with two big round headlights in the front, and then inset from each corner, it like sits at- atop two like a pram or like a buggy. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's a buck 96. That it's kind
3: of it. meant to be um, it's a, it's off like road, like a, a golf lumber. Cart. Or, well, yeah, I think they were There's, originally intended to be like, um, like a more utilitarian thing. But when you see how cartoonish
0: they look, they're very silly. Yeah. But it, it's uh they have like, um, they, uh, it, it, it's like, yeah, like a golf cart for like, if you had, if you own a forestry company and you're out driving through the woods all the time, but like, very cute, very hilarious, and uh, they've been selling on Bring a Trailer and a couple other places um, f- for not much money. There's a few in the states. Um, not much meaning like under twenty grand. Um, There's a guy there, a buddy of mine, Anthony, and uh, he was we were hanging out beforehand when it went up, and he he played like linebacker at USC, so he's he's uh like a little bit shorter than me, but probably like good sixty seventy pounds bigger of mostly muscle. Yeah just a, a a big guy and um and he's the new owner, I was like, man, we should go sit in that thing together <laughs> because that would be uh how many does it sit just the two or yeah i well i think there's there's more i, I the two of us would be plenty uh it would probably break it, but um it uh anyway went up for uh, with a pre auction estimate of thirty thousand and went for one hundred and ninety six thousand dollars wow.
1: Do you, this is a conspiracy. Yeah. Do you think, or conspiracy theory anyway, sure. do you think that somebody who's sitting on a large collection of these mm-hmm. bit Just up his own car?
0: Could be. It reminded me a lot of, uh, I went to that Bruce Wiener microcar auction a couple years ago and uh, everything in there was supposed to, it was like all these guys who had been buying micro cars their whole lives and they were all expecting to like walk around with a cool like $10,000 car and for whatever reason, probably because every micro car person in the whole world was in the room. <laughs> things started going for like two and three hundred thousand dollars. And like everybody was just standing around dumbfounded while like one or two guys bought all the cars. It's actually a pretty good like uh allegory for our the world that we live in. But it was uh it's just a totally bizarre experience, uh, like being in this room full of teeny tiny, <laughs> previously. So uh,
2: I remember that I have the catalog from that yeah, office. Yeah, a lot so of people that's a great catalog.
0: Office. It's, it's a micro yeah, catalog. Yeah, it's a tiny little catalog, but it was, It reminded me of a little bit of a flashback to that, but. You know, uh, while the Type 64 guy might not be super happy, the Furvez Ranger guy has got to be just out of his mind. I was like, maybe it's, the same, all guy. Maybe it's the same guy who was I, selling both. I was like, find this guy and he's buying the drinks <laughs> yep. tonight because uh, he's got to be pleased. Um, so, Wesley, you did Dawn Patrol four in the morning. I meant to, just decided not to. Uh,
1: and Vaughn was absolutely correct. Uh, so, later in the day when I was talking to people, I mean, I got there well before dawn. Um, I noticed that everybody else's ticket had an ear trimmed off and mine was uh pristine. Ooh, yep. So uh you don't need a ticket to go to Pebble Beach, just get there super early. Yeah. Um yeah, which that's is right. crazy to me. Yeah, no, I, I've yeah, been doing that for years. Uh, oh,
0: they won't let you do that. No, you can't do that anymore. But you can definitely just like walk down any one of the number of side roads before like five AM. Yeah, there's, nobody. there's nobody there.
1: Like I we even talked to one of the people at the hotel, like, Hey, can we come through here to go to the grass you know yeah. like a normal situation and they were like no that's not possible yeah but, but we, they didn't t- check the tickets
0: yeah um so i i recommend that every every time you should oh get,
1: yeah what's the ticket go uh, 450 uh, bucks, 450 or something? bucks something. yeah, yeah. So. uh don't pay for a ticket just sneak in
0: <laughs> yeah uh and those tickets do go to charity right that's uh, oh well yeah that's well the
1: other oh thing. no 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 no. <laughs> donate all the money to charity still but don't get a ticket yeah. run the risk
0: yep yeah. the uh yeah did, i skipped on patrol i got there. After all the cars on the lawn, which is probably like the second time that's ever happened in my life, it's kind of a the cool part of the Concord Obviously, is getting up in here and hearing the cars run, and then uh, there was a drinking uh, a bunch of champagne and going to sleep at ten a.m. That
1: is that is the smart way to yeah. do it. Hispano uh, Suiza, Sueza? Suiza, Suiza. Hispano Suiza, Suiza, John Phillips. Suiza. It's it's like Swiss Spanish, Spanish. Oh. Swiss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, had a bit of uh, trouble during dawn patrol. And broke down a little bit and caused uh, one of the most expensive traffic jams I've seen in a long time.
0: Oh, boy. Yep, there's always one of those that happens.
1: Uh, but the mechanic who was riding along with the owner got it fixed in a jiffy and was probably very stressed the entire time. Because I can imagine how, much, how embarrassing that would be for the mechanic and the owner and probably a... Uh, Shit happens, man. 100 year old car. True, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, um, and you
3: think of you think of the thrash that goes into like building cars for Autorama. Like I would not be surprised that there's a lot of that going on thrashing. on cars worth orders of magnitude more. Oh, absolutely. yeah. it's like the paint's still drying. Well, they haven't tuned it up fully.
1: One of the cars in the hot rod cover car class that I was there to hang out and you know cover uh, was basically that way. The uh, Bob Winberg car missed its transporter, I think, at least once, if not twice, because it was not done yet. Which is in, which is crazy how up to the minute these restorations take for an event like Pebble Beach. Yeah,
3: so this is something you were really looking forward to, and this is not the first time like a Rod slash Custom slash Sports Special class has happened at Pebble. So maybe like this didn't make anybody's heads explode this time yeah um
1: they've been doing it since 97 which is kind of weird to think about that was the first
3: time that yeah. there was a
1: spot okay. it's rod
0: class yeah
3: so what did you think i mean was it it's cool it was super it was... cool
0: yeah what was the uh sorry graham to no, no. jump to your question Go but for there it. was like an aluminum bodied um flat uh supercharged flathead that was like about a... winberg car yeah with the yeah, remote so flathead.
1: picture this <laughs> here's here's how you don't so, okay, we've talked about chain-driven superchargers before on the podcast, I'm sure, sure which is insane to me. Crazy. The, the fact that people will do that, especially without a, a guard, which this car had no guard around the chain-driven yep. supercharger. Um, now, imagine taking the supercharger and putting it behind the firewall and using a jack shaft to drive the supercharger. Like a motorcycle jack shaft. Yeah, with two universals in it to drive from a gear, a chain-driven gear that's driven by the crank. Yeah to the supercharger. That's behind the motor. It
0: was so badass. It's Graham. so cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I Dude. can
3: picture it. I want to hear it. You probably hear the supercharger whine. Oh, yeah. Real nice.
0: Oh, you have to. And it's, it's in there. It's like, it's one in foot the interface. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it had three Winfield carbs, which is uh, not the standard approach to feeding fuel to it, a supercharged flyhead, perfect. which is yeah. super cool.
0: It was, uh, yeah, th- that class was awesome. There was a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. Um, Obviously a ton of Bentley's there because it's oh, Bentley's one yeah. hundredth anniversary. A quarter
3: of the field I heard was Bentley's pretty much. Yep.
0: And wow. they had forty four uh
2: old vintage Bentleys. There. And an eight liter okay. took uh top the, honors. The
0: Gurney and Nutting uh coupe. Uh one very best pretty car show. Uh did win best of show quite predictably. Uh I ran into a bunch of our, our pals there. Um and uh, I ran to Mike Simcoe and he was like, Oh, what do you see down there? And uh, just caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting anyone to ask me about any of the cars I saw. And I was like, oh, I saw some Ferraris. I don't remember. I'm trying to think of something cool to tell him, you know, that he didn't expect. It seemed but
1: like the year of Zagato almost, considering you know, a lot of, There was a
2: Zagato class. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they, they had sense. a whole class. Uh, was well, Simcoe asked me the same thing and I told him I liked that blue hot rod. The Norman Grabowski's cookie yeah. car, yeah. Yeah, cookie he car. Was scoffed cool. at me why i don't know he did he yeah. scoffed at me i hope he's listening yeah the uh Michael scoffed at me
0: yeah the, the that was a cool car i thought uh, i thought
1: that was a
2: very cool fresh
0: car. restoration my favorite car
1: yeah uh roy Brizio street rods took you know care the of car it i'm talking about yeah yep. uh it was in life magazine 77 sunset strip it was it's probably the most top five one of the most iconic hot rods ever built
3: and this is quite a this was quite a transformation to it back towards its initial or original exactly yeah. right, right.
1: It's a second version because the original version was known as a lightning bug, which was then updated when Norm got a little bit more money and had it painted by, uh, oh, what's his face, who built the manor A? Dean Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, and then um some changes there. And then he sold the car to Jim Street. Oh, yeah. Your guy. Yeah. My guy. And then who showed it competitively for years and kept updating it as a radical show car. Yeah. Um, and then stashed it and then so
3: when it crossed the block it looked a lot different than it does oh. now, right it was the last totally different. street yeah, a
0: street auction like uh, last year uh, last
1: year at indy yeah. yeah um and a guy named ross meyer purchased it who basically immediately took the car to a brizio shop and roy brizio if you're not familiar if you're listening to the podcast is one of the premier hot rod shops in the mm-hmm. world and they did a full restoration a full sympathetic restoration technique because they didn't really do any metal work or anything mm-hmm. they just took what was there because it was a show car and painted it and refurbished it and put yeah. it back together so it's mostly original parts they had to redo the exhaust system because that went missing um restored perfectly it was and it won the class obviously but it was it was a sight to see and it was right next to the tommy ivo t which was basically modeled after grabowski's car
3: so were there, were there showgoers fainting next to the Hot Rods or was everybody pretty comfortable? Oh no, I,
0: they, they come every five years
3: or so.
2: Every, every so two years, much, yeah. And I is think, that what it is?
0: Yeah. It's a weird scene there. I, you know, when I first started going to the show, this would date me a little bit, but it was like everybody was in a suit and like a dress and like some of the people were dressed in like period clothes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think people have like, like most things, started to discover there really isn't a dress code that they enforce, so that's like, the vibe at Pebble Beach is simultaneously very snooty but also like more, way more casual. So hmm. it's like, you know, those shirts that um, that you wear, like a lot of the guys have that have like a different colored like uh, fabric on the inside, and maybe some like um, like some a diamond detailed stitching or, or whatever. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And a then, lot like, of those you wear the jeans with the stitches on them, like oh, yeah. Macomb County jeans. Uh, <laughs>
1: Is that still big? That's such oh, a, are we that's, still seeing that. Yeah, that's Huge. such a good brand,
0: Macomb County Jeans. Well, I think that of the show. It's, I don't know that it's still big, but it's kind of like that. The people who had that, um, the uh, who's the guy? The old, uh, you know, the Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy guys. Yes. Is it not Tom, Tom Hardy? Hardy? No. Ed Hardy, Ed, Ed Hardy. Hardy, the Ed Hardy people didn't really have a place to go. Tom Hardy's the little British Tom guy. Tom Hardy <laughs> jeans from Mad Max. Uh, uh, Tom Hardy jeans. Let's uh, do it. Let's uh, do Tom it. Hardy jeans. This is a great idea. They only uh, come in twenty nine thirty two or whatever. However, you do the small inseam. But anyway, because um, he's he's not a huge guy, Tom Hardy.
1: Uh twenty nine thirty two, fun fact, used to be what I wear Really? Yeah, uh, then I've grown up to a 30 So what, is 29
0: 31. the waist? 29's a waist, yeah So yeah, you do uh, Let's, let's do 32, the joke. 29, yeah. No, you, yeah 32, 19 he's a, little, <laughs> oh, yeah, but, yeah. he's a little guy? Oh, Tom Hardy?
3: He was a big guy in, in Batman in No, pain. he's like, uh, wow.
0: he's 4 foot 8, I think uh, don't check on that. Okay. But um, which is fine if you're short, that's fine yeah. to be short. Just um, many people think. So they, like got the like, shirts,
3: you know. they got the, uh, the Bugatti shirts. They got the yeah.
0: Bugatti. What was the mm-hmm. one we saw? Robert and Graham. Robert Graham. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that your guys' shirt company? That's yeah. our shirt company. Yeah,
3: Very yeah. colorful um, contrast colors. Um,
0: so there was a lot of that, a lot of just t-shirts and jeans type people, mm-hmm. which is fine to do. Um, so I, I don't think like the pearl clutching was as big a thing uh, this year.
1: There was a definite crowd around them, though, Yeah, which, for which, sure. all day, which was good. I mean, for people that don't generally see historic hot rods, yeah. they, who are kind of in the historic car world, which is strange to be in a high-end, like, uh, Aston or Ferrari right, or Lamborghini yeah. world and not see these cars ever, um, that's strange to me. But they seemed all really interested. Yeah. Anyway, so I was, while I was by the Tommy a car, there was a guy who owned, like, some Italian coach built, the, like, a Zagato body Lamborghini or whatever. Um five hundred GTZ. Something like that, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um if memory serves, of course. Yeah. But who knows. Uh I was a little toasted on some Champagne. Yeah, we all were, I think. Um, bye bye. And that yeah, was probably and over the whole day. Yeah. Anyway, he was asking how the uh fuel injection worked and like what it was, and it's like Hillborn f- stack fuel injection, yeah. which looks crazy, oh, yeah. of course, but if you're unfamiliar with it, you and if you're like into uh carburetor fuel injected the Lamborghinis or Ferraris, you're uh, maybe not familiar yeah.
0: with the Stu Hillburn injection. I was speaking of champagne. I was talking to uh, Petey Cunningham uh, of Empire Hill Climb fame and a bunch of other guys. And Jonathan Klinger from Haggerty was like, oh, how hungover are you? And I was like, this is the first time I've ever been at Pebble Beach in many, many years. The first time of many, many years of going that I am not hungover at the Concours. And it was a very strange... (coughs) Because usually I'm uh, so hungover that I like vastly between like thinking I'm gonna throw up and like wanting to just take a nap in someone's car. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of drinking being done out there uh, that week, but um, I, I took it easy Saturday. I went pretty hard uh, most of the other nights, mm-hmm. and then Saturday night, conservative. I was pretty conservative, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna drink um, at the show, and then it, like eight a.m. clinger was like, hey, we're opening some champagne. Do you want some? And I was like, yes. How much how much do I have? How much do you have? Anyway, uh, but it was a good time. Um I think we all got pretty sunburnt. I got extremely sunburned. Um I did not reapply. This is my problem. I put yeah, a little uh, bit in the morning, but not enough. Natalie reminded us to all reapply. Yeah. But yeah, Pebble Beach Concours. you know, uh I would say we didn't talk much about it, but the highlight again was going to the track. Uh, If you're going to go, go do that. Uh, It's still too possible. I I had a great time judging at Lemons. Um, You can do it on the cheap and still have a really good time. A couple of the guys I went with skipped the Concorde, skipped the Quail, and still had a super kick-ass time. So, um, Yeah. That's Pebble. Check it out if you want to go. Coming up next, uh, you're going to listen to this here in just a second. We've got an interview with Jack. Fast Jack Beckman. Beckman, he is the NHRA TFFC champ, uh, was in 2012 anyway. Uh, the Supercomp champ in 2003, and uh,
1: uh, he's he drives for Don Schumacher Racing in the Infinity Hero, Infinity War, in- Infinity War. No, in that's a Avengers
0: movie and Adventures, Adventures, the movie? Adventures, Adventures. <laughs> uh, no, we got Jack coming up, uh, and then we will actually um, we'll be signing off after that.
4: All right, welcome back to the podcast. We have with us today a special, special guest, Jack Beckman. Whoa, whoa, fast
1: Jack Beckman. I'm sorry, that's
4: fast Jack Beckman. Let's get this right, folks. Uh, Driver of the Infinite Hero Foundation Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Funny Car. That's a mouthful, Jack.
5: Well, I'm actually coming to you live from my Dodge Ram on the 91 freeway in Southern California. I'm going to tell you right now, I am not fast Jack. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you're uh is a, a traffic jack beckman right now
5: little uh, uh I, I am
4: well i'm glad you're driving a dodge because we'd have trouble we, we don't want to get in trouble with any of your sponsors or manufacturers or anything
5: so hey and i bought and paid for it out of my piggy bank
4: wow i thought that was part of the, isn't that wasn't that part of the signing bonus that you got you know dodge rams for life wouldn't that
5: be nice and what's the signing bonus
4: there you go all right hey jack uh let's talk a little bit real quick about your season uh before we get into some good stuff here uh it's been an interesting season for you very consistent i mean i looked up your fifth in the points and a lot of people might not realize you're right in the thick of things right now what's your thought on your season
5: Yeah. well we've been to four final rounds so The the drag race fans will get it, but let's say we're talking to a baseball fan. So you're going to play a hundred and some odd regular season games. And to be perfectly honest, all that does is get you into the playoffs. In other words, winning any single game isn't necessarily any extra value except in your stats. In drag racing, it's a 24-race season. The first 18 races are what we call the regular season, and then they cut it off at only the top 10 in each category are eligible to race in the countdown to the championship. The other competitors can still come out, but they're never going to finish any better than 11. So every race we have gets us points to get into the countdown, but they also give a trophy away. So every single race is important, and we have been consistent. We have been to four finals. What we haven't been able to do is win a race yet, and it doesn't sound difficult to beat four people. Jesus, if you did that in NASCAR, you'd finish thirty seventh. But some days it's nearly impossible. And um, we started the season with a runner-up. We've been there three more times. We really need to close the
4: deal. Well, it's you know, and your team is closing the deal all around you. I mean, you've had, you've been fighting your own team all year. They've had some you know some great runs. Uh, I know your uh, your teammate Ron Caps is coming off the win at Brainerd. Uh, and you were a tough car that weekend as well.
5: Yeah, we had low ET of the weekend uh, in the first round of eliminations. And then in the second round, you know, a lot of fans don't understand. Ron Caps ran a three point nine one second ET. We ran a three point nine four second ET. So we were three hundred slow. and a lot of fans think there's a magic knob on the car that you can turn and they don't understand why we didn't run a 3.90 ET. Uh, there's a, a 150 mechanical things that have to work together in harmony and synergy to give your car a quick run. The first round, the racetrack was the best it had been all weekend. For the second round, the sun came out a little, it heats up the rubber on the racetrack, it's a little more gooey, it's a little less traction, we softened up the clutch a little in the car the problem is it slowed it down more than we thought it would yet we only missed it by 300s but in drag racing 300s might as well be a lifetime
4: jack you got your uh your daytona 500 your indianapolis 500 whatever you want to call it uh, coming up here next with the uh u.s nationals at indianapolis uh, uh is that as big a deal to you as it is with everybody else out there
5: Well, I was a West Coast guy. I was born and raised in Southern California. So for me, it's always been the Winter Nationals. As a kid, I can remember delivering newspapers early in the morning, and then my dad or my uncle taking my brother and I out to the Winter Nationals. I never went to Indianapolis until I flew out as a spectator in 2001. I raced there for the first time in 2004, and that's when you begin to understand it's bigger, The event is longer we get more qualifying runs than every other national event uh so people put this huge mystique around it uh and and then the pressure starts with well gosh don't you want to win indy and it's an intangible if you've never won indy you don't know that you're missing anything i won it in 2015 i've been to the final round there twice before Uh, But I didn't feel like my life was worthless because I hadn't won Indy. But I'll tell you, in hindsight, now that I have won it, you get how big a deal that is. If you don't do anything in your drag racing career, but you win Indy, well, I'll I'll give you an idea. I have two friends that are legends in the sport, racers from the 60s. One of their email addresses is, I won (laughs) Indy. One of their license plates says, I won Indy. That's how big a deal it
4: is. That, that That's awesome, Jack. And, and again, having done it once, I guess when you've done it once, you kind of just assume you're going to get another one, right? You assume that it's going to happen every year. You probably appreciate it a little you know, bit more every year, don't you?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a seven-year-old kid the first time I went to a drag race, and I was hooked instantly. The sight smells, the the, the sound, the the feel, the way it rattles the grandstands in your body. So, you know, you fast-forward... 46 years later, and I've been getting a paycheck for 13 years to drive a nitro car. I've got an office full of trophies. Um, I've over-exceeded my wildest expectations and dreams. So on my trophy case, uh, I'd won a couple races in my Super Comp Dragster before I went pro, but I've got 30 of the NHRA trophies. They call them the Wally, named after the founder of NHRA Wally Parks. And I'm going to tell you, it's never enough. I totally understand addiction and type of personalities now, because when you win one of these, what you really want is another one and another one. And someday, I won't have a job driving anymore, and I likely am not going to retire on my own terms. It typically is a case of there's no more sponsorship funding. Uh, but you know what? When it ends, I'm just incredibly blessed to have had the career that I've had. Now don't get me wrong. I want to win the last seven races of this season,
4: Jack. You talk about sponsors, uh, which triggers another uh, avenue I'd like to go down with you a little bit. Uh, your sponsor, uh, you know, Infinite Hero Foundation, is not your normal sponsorship deal. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that works?
5: Yeah, it's almost a backward sponsorship. In essence, you can say we sponsor the Infinite Hero Foundation. Oakley started Infinite Hero. Oakley has tons of military contracts. When the conflict in the Middle East started, a lot of soldiers were coming home with paralysis, burns, amputations, traumatic brain injury, PTS, and uh, Oakley wanted to do something because a lot of these folks were friends and had relationships with Oakley, and they felt like they could do a better job of raising funding and funding programs that already existed that proven they do a great job for injured veterans. So. It's a win-win-win scenario for me. As a former Air Force sergeant, I'm proud of my military service. I'm far prouder of what we're able to accomplish with Incident Hero. Uh, And none of that would have been possible without the Chandler family. My sister car, under the Don Schumacher racing umbrella, is the Make-A-Wish funny car driven by Tommy Johnson. And Terry Chandler, who had been phenomenally successful in business, and watched her brother Johnny Gray race many times a year, and when he retired, she recognized that she couldn't leave the sport. She loved it. So she picked up his team, paid all the operating expenses, and bannered the the Make-A-Wish logo on the side of the car to help raise money for that organization. And then she found out about Infinite Hero and decided to do the same. And Terry passed away from brain cancer Ironically, on the 4th of July in 2017. And her husband, Doug Chandler, who's just a super guy. But Doug isn't as enamored with drag racing as Terry was. Doug likes to hang out with his buddies and fish and hunt. But Doug recognized that while Terry was doing great things to change the lives of sick children and their families and injured vets and their families... Really, the sport was also changing her life for the better. Uh, so he elected to continue the funding for three more years, and this is the second of those three years. And to be quite frank with you guys, I would not have a job. Tommy Johnson wouldn't have a job. The, the 18 crew members on our teams wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for Doug and Terry Chandler. So they're not only doing some wonderfully... Philanthropic things for these soldiers and, and children—they're really enabling all of us to support our families as well.
4: I assume you've had a chance to go to some interesting uh, functions, you know, in support of uh, I, in support of Infinite Hero Foundation. Uh, it probably I, I be, have, it's probably could be. probably a little. At...
5: Go ahead, I'm Jeff. Sorry. I, yeah, I, I've been in a room with eight. Medal of Honor recipients. And let me tell you something. If you think you're cool because you get to go zero to 330 miles an hour, you get in a room with the type of people, the caliber of human beings that go to war and do phenomenally heroic things. And I'm just proud to have been a fly on the wall at many of these events.
4: Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine, Jack. I mean, what what a ride! I guess we talk about the the ride some of you guys are on. Uh, your ride is is just remarkable on a lot of different fronts. Um, you know, the Infinite Hero Foundation, like you said, you, so you're good through next year, and, and uh, we all hope that that continues.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do too for selfish reasons. I mean, I've, I've got a mortgage payment and I don't have a four hundred one k. But for I got to tell you. Uh, our infinite hero race car and the same applies to the make a wish race car are two of the only cars in motorsports that i know of that can do wonderful things and improve people's lives when they're not even running because the funding that we raise goes to these places to to help these people with programs that's going to change their lives you know think about Think about a 23-year-old guy who goes to war and loses an armor, gets per- paralyzed, and he comes home and just wants to sleep on his mom's couch and self-medicate and spiral it out of control, and that's why the suicide rate is very high amongst combat veterans. So Infinite Hero funds programs with grant money, and that money, I'll tell you a little about that in a second, but every penny we issue as a grant is audited. In other words, that these programs... Want to apply for a future grant, they recognize that they have to use every dime we give them for the program. So you take this soldier and you send him to the brain treatment center. Or if he's an amputee and thinks his life's over, we send him to Vail Veterans and they get to spend uh, a weekend skiing with veterans in a similar condition. And it sets that spark in their brain a lot back alive. In other words, my life's not over. My new normal is going to be different than it was before I was injured, but I still have purpose, and I still have things that can bring me joy and happiness. And to be a part of that, I- I'm telling you, it's incredibly humbling, and it makes driving a race car on a bad day not that bad, if you know what I mean.
4: Jack, how, how is your funding work done for your team? Because I'm assuming when I write my check for Infinite Hero or for Make-A-Wish Foundation you know, knowing where my money is going. I'm not really funding your racing team, am I? How's that work?
5: You're exactly right. Every penny to operate the race cars is paid for by Doug Chandler. It started with his wife, Terry, and now Doug has taken over that. So every penny in donations that the race teams raise goes directly to the cause. For instance, I carry 20 military-style challenge points in my race car down the track every time we run. And if an NHRA fan wants a really cool souvenir, maybe one that's gone 330 miles an hour, they come over to our pits or they can go on infinitehero.org, make a $100 donation, and they get that out of our car. I believe we just surpassed the $500,000 mark just in those coins that we've raised money from. Now, we also have a lot of fans that'll make blind donations. Uh, a lot of the Matco tool distributors will do fundraisers and give us the money. We've got several other organizations that will do dinners and give us the money. So I think that soon we will be coming up to the three-quarter million-dollar mark in total. But just, just the NHRA race fan have donated more than a half a million dollars. Every penny of that goes into the grant. Uh, cycle and every penny of that gets issued to a
4: program to change an injured veteran's life wow i would have a hard time uh arguing that you don't have the coolest uh, race deal right now in sports i mean that uh, the lives you're you're being able to affect and the impact it's making on you i mean that's that's life-changing there's not a lot of guys out there with life-changing sponsors
5: no no let me tell you Losing still sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm a human being, and I have those normal emotions. When you get beat, it's a punch in the gut. It stinks. Your day is done as far as it's on the racetrack. But I get to go back to the pit and hang out with a bunch of fans who would give their left arm to have my job and help raise money for a lot of soldiers that may not have a left arm that aren't even asking for our help. They just want to get back into their new life in society
4: obviously jack you were getting into something you didn't understand or you didn't probably know even as a military guy yourself i mean you probably didn't really get the impact you were going to have on this whole deal i mean back when you got this deal
5: yeah most race cars are funded by a traditional sponsorship say my teammate ron caps napa auto parts recognizes that listen if we fund this race team which is going to cost upwards of three million dollars a year We can run commercials, we can run advertisement, we can get to market saturation, and we can sell more auto parts than the money that we've invested in the race team. And that's great. So every race car driver out there should be obligated to speak well of their sponsor. But look at what I get to do. I get to represent the Infinite Hero Foundation. I get to represent the injured veterans that gave way more than they should have given out there and really aren't asking for anything in return. But we're in a position where we can give them that pathway to whatever the rest of their life's potential is.
4: Jack, that's, that's, just, that's just freaking awesome. Uh, we're talking with Jack Beckman, you know, the driver of the Infinite Hero Foundation Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Funny Car for uh, Don Schumacher Racing. Uh, I'd like to touch on Don Schumacher for a moment. Uh, he's featured in this week's issue of Auto Week. We had a, a great time sitting down talking with him. Uh, uh, Jack, I got to talk to you a little bit about Don at, uh, at Norwalk earlier this season. Uh, not a bad team you guys have put together.
5: Yeah. And finally our top fuel cars came through for the first win of the year. Uh, my teammate Leah just won up in Brainerd. And, uh, so that means that Antron Brown and I are the only two Schumacher cars to not have won yet this year. And it's not that we need any extra incentive to want to win. I'm telling you, we race for that trophy every weekend at the track and that means a lot to us. But, uh, God, does it make your mouth water that you get so close to to a win. You get in that final round and come away empty handed. And I know Antron feels the same way that I do. But that's the great thing about driving for Don Schumacher. When I was a kid and I dreamt of driving a nitro car, I didn't know that I could drive one that I'd win for the shootout titles, 28 national events so far in a world championship. When you drive for Don, there are no excuses and you get, Everything that you need to go out there and perform at the highest level, but he expects you to do that every single time.
4: Well, DSR is having a nice season, and uh, there's plenty of time for you and Antron to get that win. And, and you know, looking at the schedule, it's go time now. I mean, every win is huge, uh, you know, with Indy, and then we go right to the countdown. Hey, Jack, I got to ask you one other thing, too. Uh, uh, earlier, uh, you guys pledged your brains to science. Ah, uh, the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Uh, uh, you're going to be uh hopefully helping people long after you're gone, huh?
5: Yeah, my wife says I haven't used it much lately. Anyway, so <laughs> why not?
4: Tell us a little bit about that, Don. I mean, uh, it's a concussion uh, study, I guess. To you know, just kind of further the education on sure. that.
5: So, so yeah, you think about how do you learn things medically? Well, you know, you go back to the 1700s where. They dissect corpses because they really didn't understand how the human body works. To fast forward today, you've got fMRI's, uh, CAT scans, all these other things that let you peek inside a living human body. But what they're what they're really in their infancy and in studying is uh, how repeated concussions. Uh, you know, the NFL is, is spending a lot of money studying that right now. How what the long term effects are on the human brain and. I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, that dovetails very well into nitro drag racing. You know, our cars make eleven thousand horsepower, and they accelerate from zero to a hundred in less than a second. Uh, they do some crazy things to the human body, and they shake in there, and and we experience that on a uh, on a continual level. So, I'd already been an organ donor. Uh, I I just frankly don't see why somebody else couldn't benefit from any healthy organs I got left when I'm not here anymore. And as a cancer survivor, I I mean, it underscores that point even more Uh, when I'm gone, I don't need any of my organs if somebody else can benefit from them all the better. But I never thought about could medical science benefit from that. And um, so I hope it's a long time before somebody gets my brain, but if it does something (laughs) to help somebody, you know, 40, 50, a hundred years from now, why not do something like that?
4: Now, Jack, we don't see a lot of contact uh, in your series. I mean, we don't see a lot of you guys hitting the walls. I mean, you guys are the top of the sport. Uh, you know, a car will explode once a season. But, uh, you know, on your the, speaking of the head injury situation, I mean, is that zero to 300? Does that put a lot of, uh, you know, concussion-like symptoms? Uh, can that lead to stuff like that like that?
5: No, not, not on a, uh, a good run. And, and, and let's picture a G meter. Uh, Gs would be the, the, the force that's applied to your body relative to what gravity represents. On a normal run, we'll see about 5 Gs of acceleration, and then if you hit both parachutes, about negative 5 G. So it's a 10 G swing. But as long as that doesn't happen really abruptly, I don't know that there's a lot of long-term negative effects on that, although detached retinas from the parachutes have been an issue in the past. What really really gets us is the tire shake, and what happens is the way we accelerate these cars, it crushes those huge tires into the ground and almost turns them square. And if we don't have the right tune-up, before it spins the tires, it starts shaking pretty violently. And, And I guess the best way to envision it is go down to your hardware store and sit on their paint shaker and have them turn it on high, but it would be two or three times as violent as that. So it's the change in G-force in direction and amplitude that's hard on the brain, and that's something that nitro drivers experience on a fairly regular basis.
4: All right, well, I'll make a, make that a point not to experience any of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to stay in my passenger car where I don't have to worry about that Jack, hey! Thank you so much for your time today. I know you got the biggest part of your season coming down the pike here, and uh, we'd like to give you a a shout back after you win the nationals or the or get the you know get the big prize at the end of the season, and uh, you can you know tell us about how that all came about. All
5: right. Well, you know, what we do, we're winners because we are changing lives for the better. But my job, I'm paid to drive a funny car, and our team is paid to win. So I would love to close the deal at Indy and then have that momentum going into the countdown. And I, I appreciate the interview.
4: Jack, back, back really seriously. Best of luck to you, and uh, we'll definitely catch up to you soon. Take care, gents. Thank you, Jack.
1: Oh, man. Jack Beckman, very fast. That was a quick interview.
0: He is a fast guy and that was a appropriately fast interview so uh that's it i mean that's like that's probably an hour's worth of podcast right there i think it's probably a decent time to wrap up and um, good content and, and hey you've got work to do you gotta get back to work list per- personal listening podcast fan or you got to be in your car and just be present in the moment and enjoy it
1: uh but if you're done being present in the moment and enjoying whatever you're doing. Please uh, just review this. Give us five stars. Uh, six. So give us six stars if you can. Uh, le- leave a comment saying you love it. Uh, you love Pebble Beach. Uh, you
0: love uh, Woodward Dream Cruise. You love uh, you know, pasta. You love whatever. You know what I mean? And get in there and tell that guy who complained that one time about uh, how we tried to bribe people that one time. Uh, get in there and give them the what for?
1: Yeah, be the liar. We've never bribed for never successfully. Never successfully bribed. I mean, we I've did, tried to give people money to get. We give did produce. offer
0: uh, that for quite a while, and we just had no takers. So, um, anyhow, uh, that's the episode. We will see you back here next week for number seventy-two.